Hello and welcome to The Post Show. I'm John the Video Guy. On today's episode, I am joined with Ian Sansevera. Many of you may know him by not Ian Sans on social, and most notably from his YouTube channel, Learn How to Edit Stuff, where he has over 150 video tutorials on how to edit, do things in Premiere, After Effects, and at the time of this recording is closing in on a quarter of a million YouTube subscribers. In our conversation, we talk about how he started his channel and how it's been growing over time. We also talk about some best practices for video editors on rhythm, pacing, and using transitions. I believe there's a lot of value in our conversation, so grab a drink, sit back, and enjoy my conversation with Not Ian Sands. By the way, stick to the very end to find out why his handle is Not Ian Sands. Very funny story. I hope you enjoy. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Absolutely. It, I'm excited for our talk today because you've really done something special on YouTube lately with learn how to edit stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about your background and then kind of how you grew and started your YouTube channel? Yeah, totally. Um, in high school, I grew up in Ohio, went to Twinsburg High School. And my friends and I at the time had a YouTube channel called F&D Films where we did like sketch comedy uh, YouTube stuff. And it was kind of when YouTube was still new. And so I got really into filmmaking from a very early age. I was in interactive media in high school where we like produced the morning announcements and all that stuff. So I got like super into it pretty early. And then we all kind of decided to go to film school together, went to Columbia College, Chicago, studied television and uh, television production and post-production, graduated, moved to Los Angeles and was working, uh, you know, my way around different companies, being an editor and I was working at a place called Quest Nutrition. They did protein bars, but they really wanted to do like fun stop motion type videos on Instagram when they first released 15 second videos. And so they started hiring a bunch of people to do like social media marketing type stuff. And while I was working there, I met another YouTuber whose name is John Glaude. His YouTube channel is Obese to Beast. And he lost like 300 pounds or something, lost a bunch of weight. And he does like, you know, fitness journey and like motivational videos and stuff. And he had, you know, was working on his channel and he just kept asking me all these questions about editing. He's like, hey, man, how do I do this? How do I do this? And one day he was like, dude, you should just start your own channel so I don't have to, like, ask you these questions anymore. And I was like, that's a great idea because a lot of people ask me questions. So I started the YouTube channel and kind of as a joke, I did learn how to edit stuff as like a, I don't know, like a tongue in cheek, like stupid name. And I'm glad I did because the SEO like really works out for me because when people type in learn how to edit on YouTube, I'm like right there. So learn how to edit anything uh, ended up working out for me. But that's the that's the origin story of the YouTube channel. I was posting like every other month uh, whenever John Glaude would ask me a question, I would just make a video about his question. And that's kind of how it started. And then once I hit like, I don't know, like 5K subs or something, I was like, oh, man, people actually like care about this stuff. So I started to do it a little bit more regularly started posting like every two weeks and then I got to every week. So now it's kind of every Sunday. I just had a kid. So like my schedule's a little off right now, but that's the, the origin story of learn how to edit stuff. And we're, we're still going strong, still teaching people how to edit. Um, some folks at Adobe saw my channel, got super excited, invited me to speak at Adobe max and Adobe video world. And they're giving me like, you know, pre beta releases of stuff to test drive and to make videos about. So it's cool. It's, it's really, really been an awesome journey so far. Wow. Yeah, and you're almost at a quarter of a million subscribers too. We're almost there. Well, I got the plaque on the wall for 100k. You don't get another plaque until a million, so I don't know if I'll see another one. If a million people want to hear me talk about editing, that would be insane. I'm I'm honestly surprised it got to where we are today. Yeah. Um 
and if you if you can, can you talk a little bit about the business side? Because when did you start uh, getting traction? And because you also have products as well, like swag, like the ducking awesome stuff, and like all of the lower third t-shirts and stuff. Can you talk about a little bit about that? Yeah, um, the business. So I still to this day believe in giving out free knowledge, and I don't ever want to charge people for what I know. Like the whole point of the YouTube channel was to teach people out there that are wanting to learn all the things that I had to learn and like learn from my mistakes and always keep it free. And that goes with um, like sponsorships and stuff as well. So with, you know, if I, if I was trying to be a YouTuber full time, uh, maybe I would accept a little bit more of the offers that come into my inbox for people wanting me to promote their products. But I really, really truly from a business perspective, only take those opportunities that I know will actually help the people that are watching my videos. So there's a couple different sponsors that I work with regularly. One is epidemic sound, uh, which to me has probably the best royalty free music library that's out there right now. It's the cheapest for individual creators. They give you stems for every song, which is like hugely important for me. Um, I'm sure we'll get into my music background at some point during this podcast, but uh, the ability to separate out drums from bass, from instruments, from melodies, and kind of like, do a lot with the music. So that partnership totally made sense. And I work with them. Um, all these are like affiliate programs too. So uh, if people use my link because they like what I have to say, then I get paid. Um, the other one is Invato Elements, uh, which is something I use literally every single day. It's probably the best go-to place for grab and go little tiny assets that you don't want to make yourself or that you just need quickly. Uh, it's the price is amazing and they have so much really awesome stuff on there. So they're, they're another one. Um, Adobe too. Like there, there's, people that I've decided to partner with that makes sense for the channel. And then the other side of it is, um, yeah, the swag and stuff. Like I just, I made my own designs in Photoshop cause people were like, I want to support you. Like, I, do you have merch? And I was like, no. So I made merch, uh, and I partnered with Teespring because they integrated with YouTube. So it was really easy to find all my stuff underneath all my YouTube videos, but you know, no offense to anybody who's out there from Teespring listening, the quality's not the best. And so maybe there's another avenue I can look at and maybe design some new stuff, but you know, that somebody asked. And so I did it. That's kind of been the story of my YouTube channel is people asking me to do something and I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> cool. Very cool. It sounds like you have a lot of engagement with your viewers. And I'm kind of curious, how do you, uh, strategize and come up with new videos each week? Do you kind of see what they want and make a video based on them? Or do you use real life experience to make a video tutorial? That's a great question. It's kind of a mix of both. Um, I have a discord server uh, that was again, way bigger than I ever thought it would be. And I started it because people asked for it and I didn't know how to run a discord server, nor do I have time to do it. And uh, one of my subscribers name is Justin. I think he's 15 now, but at the time he was 14, he hit me up. He was like, dude, let me run your server. And I was like, you got it, bud. Like go for it. And he's done a really good job. He made my server really awesome. And I, I should probably spend more time in there, but I do go on there to get inspiration because I have different servers where people will post ideas that they're looking for. And it's usually born out of, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Help me do this. Um, people will DM me on Twitter, on Instagram. Hey, I saw this thing. Can you do a tutorial video on it? And usually I'll take that stuff with a grain of salt. Like, no, I'm not going to do this exact one for one reference, but I will use this video as a reference to show you kind of like the base of what you need to know to do this effect. I think a lot of people get caught up in seeing something and wanting to know how to recreate it one for one, but they don't realize that learning the fundamentals and learning the basics of how to do that is way, way more important than knowing how to do the thing itself. Because if you can look at something and deconstruct it and know the very simple steps that go into making it, then it's just like a, a time equation of like, how much time do you want to spend on it to make it good? 
And so that's kind of the thing that I always talk about. And then the other side of it is if I'm working on something for work, I'm the director of post-production for Team Liquid. Team Liquid is a global esports organization. So doing a lot of stuff with gaming and esports. If I'm working on a project and I kind of run into something that's, you know, making me angry or like something that's kind of tricky, I'll just jot a note down and then I'll use that as reference for some of my YouTube tutorials as well. Uh, most recently, I was having a really, can I swear on here? Can I say? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> I was having a really shit day and uh, Premiere was crashing a lot and I was just really pissed off. And so I did a video about like how to fix almost all of your like render and export issues that you might be having in Premiere Pro. And that was just spawned from me having a really horrible day. I didn't get anything done and I was really pissed off. And so that weekend I did a video on that. So kind of as inspiration comes from everywhere um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not picky where it comes from. Very cool. And you've done a lot of tutorials uh, by now. I'm kind of curious, was there one or two that kind of stood out that you've got a lot of positive feedback from that really helped a lot of people? Was it the fix like Premiere? fixes and errors the the sequence settings tutorial that i did of like how to optimize after effects and premiere seemed to be getting a lot of good ones um when roto brush 2 got announced for adobe they reached out to me and they were like hey we want you to be the guy to help us market this and that one's done really well unfortunately the real answer is all of my meme tutorials have gotten so many views and it makes me so angry because like i have other tutorials about how to properly pace interviews for like a documentary, like against the music and how music gets interwoven with the, and it's like, I really went in on that one cause it's really important stuff. And I think it's like one of my least watched tutorials and it, it's so sad. People want to learn how to make a shooting star meme instead of learning how to like, you know, how pacing and breath is like super important for an edit. So it, it kind of comes in waves. People want to learn how to make like funny, timely, you know, social media, YouTube poop type stuff. And it is what it is. There's a lot of good stuff hidden in how to make that stuff. So I'm trying to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. And it's kind of funny like that too, because a lot of the SEO worthy type of stuff ends up becoming a hit. And then a lot of the things that are really valuable for video editors probably aren't like the number one thing that comes up when they search for it. Yeah. SEO is, is a tough one. Cause like, what do you call a video about pacing and editing? Like a, a new editor isn't going to know what to search for. So it's kind of hard. Like, and I'm lucky in a sense that learn how to edit stuff. Like if somebody types in, learn how to edit interviews, like my channel will probably be on the first page just simply from the SEO in my channel name, which is amazing. But yeah, learning or teaching people how to do like seemingly complicated things that they might not know what it's called is really hard to come up with a video title. I find like, of all the stuff that I do on YouTube, coming up with the title is usually one of the hardest things for me. All right. Well, on the note of pacing, you do have a very strong audio background. And one of the tutorials that really struck me that really wowed me was the one about the studio reverb and how you can add it to the track mixer oh, yeah. and it prolongs. Because as a video editor, not having a lot of audio of experience, that's probably something we don't really learn in school you know, just trying to uh, add the clip or sorry, the effect to the clip and how it, you know, it's not just it's limited to the clip space where if it's on the track, it prolongs that reverb mm -hmm. uh, DK. So I was kind of curious, where can video editors go to learn more about rhythm or possibly more about music that for video editors that aren't as musically inclined? <sighs> That's a very loaded question. I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's a resource out there that would help people to understand like rhythm more, but you know, just like you would dance or just like you would clap or snap 
to the beat of a song, you have to think of your clips, you know, almost being like that, like, you know, cutting on beat. If people want to make a really rhythmic edit, if you want to make an off rhythmic edit, like there's all these different intricacies of how to make video and audio work together. And a lot of people just want to focus on the visuals and what they're failing to see is that, you know, it's called audio visual sensory or whatever, because there's an audio component of it that people like ignore sometimes. And audio is a, a huge, huge, huge part of video and being able to manipulate that to just kind of like accent what you're doing on the video side is really important. I think it just comes with time and it comes with interest in learning about it. You have to be interested in it. If you're just interested about how to make stuff look cool, you probably shouldn't be trying to be an editor. You should probably be going into more of like a visual effects career path because it's just visuals. Like you don't really have to worry about audio. There's a sound design department and a sound mixing department that'll do all that work for you. But as an editor, you really need to know the balance of both audio and video. And so, you know, YouTube is a huge resource. Um, I still stand by it and I don't, you know, I, I don't want to promote not going to college or anything, but multiple people have, you know, messaged me and told me I've learned more on your YouTube channel than I learned, I learned in four years of college. And you can learn anything on YouTube. I can go and I can start watching like videos on how to demo a kitchen. And like, you know, three weeks from now, I can go in with a sledgehammer in my kitchen and just try it out. And it's like, you can learn so much stuff. And so really having a, a keen eye and like a, an interest in it, I think is one of the most important things. And the resources are out there, but there's no one specific thing that I could say on this podcast that would flock people to one place, but just kind of look everywhere. It's, it's out there. Gotcha. Yeah. Are there certain beats that, video editors should look to cut on, would you say, or, you know, in that regards? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you start simple, right? Like even when you're learning how to dance, you know, one, two, three, four uh, in a measure, there's four beats in a measure. Uh, so you can have essentially four cuts in one measure of music. That's one revolution of a loop. And then if you're doing a song that's supposed to be really high energy, more cuts. So then you can go into like eighth notes. It was just one and two and three and four. And, and you can cut eight times in a measure. And then if there's a build and you're, you know, doing fast snares, you just should be cutting on every single one of those notes to really hype up the energy. And there's other stuff that you can do besides add more cuts. You can add flashes, you can add different visual effects that are also happening on, on those beats. So it really depends on what you're going for. Like I would never do those kind of quick rhythmic cuts in a slower piece about love or something like those are, are really drawn out. You're lingering on shots for a really long time. But if I'm doing a piece about, you know, extreme dirt biking or something, yeah, I'm going to make it badass. I'm going to cut a bunch. I'm going to, you know, do digital push-ins and cool transitions and all that stuff because the, the medium calls for it. I would never do, you know, a crazy like zoom transition in a, in a love piece that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very easy to go overboard with transitions and cuts like, Oh that. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot on that. It's, it, it's, this is really important too. Uh, cause I, there's a lot of packs out there that I recommend and I've taught people how to make the transitions themselves. And instead of trying to figure out how to make a transition work without any special sauce on it, people just lean on the special sauce as just a crutch. And they're like, Oh, well I'll just put this zoom transition in. I'll just put this swipe transition in. And then you watch the video and it's just like over and over again. And it just makes you dizzy or something. It's just like, you can't rely on transitions to carry you through and edit. You should learn how to like work it out before that. And then the transition should be just spice on top instead of like the whole meal. Gotcha. So would you say to kind of reserve more of transitions for like the different scenes or to use them sparingly or it, it really comes down to the project too, you know, 
So what would be your uh, recommendation to build judgment before the uh, video editors send a draft to a client? Um, that's a good question. I, and I'm going to keep saying it's going to be project specific because it really is like there's no recipe for when to use or not to use a transition. It really just depends on what you're working on. Um, and they, I, I've been seeing a lot more lately that are like really clever. And usually it's like a full frame transition wipe. I don't know if you or anybody out there who's listening have watched Firefly Lane on Netflix, uh, but they do this thing where they're like ping ponging between the past and the present. And almost every transition to the past, they do like a full frame wipe or like the camera will be pushing in on something and then turn. And then all of a sudden it's the same room, but 20 years earlier. And so they did a lot of cool stuff like that. So transitioning time is really good or you don't necessarily need one from scene to scene. I think there's something to be said about hard cutting, right? Like you're inside, you're doing something and then hard cut, you see a lake, you know, maybe some nice sound design. It's really quiet. There's just a title that tells you where you are and now you're in a new place. It transitions are used for effect, whether it's a hard cut or a star wipe, if you're going to go, you know, really fancy and get a star wipe in there. But yeah, transitions are used for effect. Uh, not just because there's two clips that need to be merged together. Cool. Yeah. Very very sound advice. <laughs> uh, I, I have to ask, what is your favorite or go-to transition then? Uh, the one that you use most often, I would say, other than a hard cut. The one I use most often is probably like an alpha mat transition or like a bloom, like a light bloom with levels or something, like really bringing up the highlights in a thing. So they start like glowing and then it like transitions and like almost like a flash. I use that a lot. I, I tend to do a lot of like more flashy edits these days, at least, at least at work. I would probably, if I had to put down on paper, what my main skill set would be, it'd probably be like trailer editor or like hype editor. So a lot of, a lot of stuff that's just kind of flashy that you almost don't know is there I'll do. Um, like a lot of bokeh overlays and like a lot of lens flares, nah, light leaks and stuff. Sometimes if I'm doing like a wedding video or something and you, it's shot really well and you can go outside and do some light leaks, but again, don't overuse it. And if you're going to do light leaks, use video copilot, optical flares, phenomenal plugin. Uh, one of the best still to this day. But yeah, I mean, if I had to answer your question, just elevator pitch style, I would say I actually don't really use transitions too often. I'm more of a, more of a straight shooter. And at least with the YouTube stuff, all I'm doing is cutting between my camera and my screen. So I don't really need to do anything too crazy, but in my professional life, um, I like to really spend time on making the piece work without the flare and then adding the flare in, in, in certain parts that need it. So that would be my advice out there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, and I have a very interesting question for you because this is something I actually struggle with, uh, sometimes, you know, because you have a background in a lot of different areas like audio, video editing, color grading, animation, after effects, how do you stay fresh with all of the new updates and features in the software and to make sure you don't get stale, you know, or kind of forget things while, while creating, because I feel like creativity is like a muscle. If you don't use it, you kind of forget about it. So what advice would you have in that regards? My advice would be to never be comfortable because not only are the programs always changing, the way that people are consuming the content is always changing. The platforms that the content is being posted on are always changing. So you have to be flexible and you have to be willing to pivot. And so, you know, there's, there's five different ways that I can give you that you can mask something out in after effects. But if after effects, you know, comes in with some crazy new tool, right? Like content aware fill was like the most recent one that I could give it a good example for. 
like you need to understand how to use that and how you can like fuse it into your arsenal because it's just going to save you time. It's going to speed things up. It's going to like give you different doors that open creatively. And if you are just pigeonholed into doing the mask thing one way and you only know how to do it one way and you don't care if there's another way that may save you five minutes here or there, that's just like kind of a backwards way of thinking. And I think people need to be more open-minded about that stuff because yes, there is a faster way to do something or no, there isn't a faster way to do something, but learning how to do things multiple ways is going to like flex that creative muscle differently every single time. And it's going to give you new ideas about how to do something that has nothing to do with the thing that you're learning. So really just, you have to be a leaf on the stream in that sense and just kind of go where it takes you and not be afraid by it. Like today, Adobe posted the new 2021 update for everything. Premiere, After Effects, there's all these new tools and all these new ways to do things and like a completely overhauled like captions workflow inside of Premiere and all these bug fixes and little buttons. I have Premiere open behind my Google Hangout window right now and I'm looking at it. There's a little button in the top corner. It's quick export. You can set yourself settings, H.264, 1080, whatever, 23.976 FPS. You click the button once and it just exports. You don't have to like bring up the export queue and like fill out all the bullshit. Like it's just right there. Like little things like that are so useful. And for me and, and something I say on my YouTube channel all the time is time is one of the most valuable resources you have as an editor and as a human being. Like time is the one thing you can't get back. So everyone should be focused on how to cut down on time. It's super important in, in this business, especially. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ian, we're coming up on our time here, and I only have one last question, or I shouldn't say that because there's probably a few more questions. <laughs> but the last main question, uh, how do you see your channel growing in the future? How far do you think it's going to go? I don't know, man. I, I love editing so much, and I knew from the time I was like 12 or 13 that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And so I have yet to like view my YouTube channel as like a, a nuisance or something. It's something that I really enjoy doing. There's new stuff coming out all the time. People are creating scripts and plugins and like doing new stuff. And there's so many creative people out there. And so I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to stop doing it. I, I don't, you know, right now I'm doing one a week, which is like a pretty decent cadence, at least for my lifestyle. Cause I'm prioritizing, you know, my family and my mental health and my physical health over, you know, trying to get more views or more subscribers on YouTube. It's been growing organically since I started it. I haven't put $1 into marketing or anything. It's just been word of mouth and, and people discovering me that way. So I'm just going to keep growing a community and, you know, multiple people are asking me now, um, for like a actual paid course, like, Hey man, can you offer something on teachable or something on like a complete walkthrough of Adobe premiere? Like I would pay for that. And so maybe there'll there'll be, you know, an opportunity to do that where com somebody could go to the school of learn how to edit stuff and you'll get a degree at the end and everything. Who knows? I don't know. I haven't really thought that far ahead yet. Awesome. That sounds good. Um, and I have to save the best question for last. Why is your Instagram handle and all your socials not Ian Sands? Do you want to <laughs> elaborate on the story? Yeah, I do. Ian Sands was taken. Really? <laughs> yep. Oh, wow. And as a... And as a, a middle finger to that person, I did not Ian Sands instead. And I think since then, Ian Sands has like not been active on any social media platform, which is very annoying because like the branding already was like cemented on everything. So I did not Ian Sands. People think it's my real name. <laughs> like I know. They'll, they'll address me. They'll be like, hey, not Ian. I'm like, no, that's not it. But it's cool. Every time I open a, a YouTube tutorial, I'm like, wow, okay, it's not Ian Sands. <laughs> it's yeah, awesome. it's my handle. My real name's Ian Sansevera, which is insanely long. I usually go by Ian Sands. And some guy named Ian Sands out there, curse you. You really screwed up my branding. Wow. 
All right. Well, <laughs> there we go. Well, Ian, I want to thank you for joining me here on the post show today. Thank you for having me. I had a blast. Well, that was ducking awesome, if I do say so myself. I want to thank Ian again. I hope you found some value in our conversation today if you are a video editor or a fan of his channel. I know I've learned so many things from his YouTube channel and I highly recommend checking it out. You can find him on YouTube by simply searching for learn how to edit stuff. I will also provide links for you below in the show notes. If you like the podcast so far, please follow us and share it with people you believe can benefit from our conversations. You can also go to my website, johnthevideoguy.com forward slash post show to see all of our episodes. We look forward to talking to you soon.